Listen, Kurt Busch is in the playoffs. A win and you're in. We, there's no way we're going to have 16. The numbers don't matter. Tyler Raddick has never won a race. And now you're going to give him a win? Hey, race fans. Welcome to another episode of Backseat Drivers. I am here joined in Studio 3 by Steve Letart and Kim Kuhn. And man, oh man, Toto, we are not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Kansas put on quite a good show with the next-gen car. Kurt Busch gets the first win for the 45 over there at 2311 Racing. And you know what happens when the Jordan car gets in victory oh, lane? Boy. You just bring out the Jays. We'll just... Right there. For Perfect. a second. Don't take a whiff, guys. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's get right into it because Kurt Busch now is locked into the playoffs. I can't wait to get into the card on this one because we have 11 different winners so far and we're halfway through the regular season. Is this a ticket punched definitely for Kurt Busch, Kim? I know that Steve is going to disagree with me. This is not a ticket punch for Kurt, and no, not because of what he can or can't do. It is strictly because we have seen 11 different winners in 13 races. We have 13 races left to go, and arguably eight or nine drivers that could win in those 13 races. Steve is literally looking at me like, I completely disagree <laughs> with this. So again, I don't think it's because Kurt hasn't shown that he is a playoff contender or isn't a playoff contender. It is just from the fact that I think we'll have more than 16 different winners. So if you only have one win right now or you have zero wins, you're literally like sweating. The pressure is on. So I love stats and I love math. And if you oh, use Kim's go. math, we're going to have 36 <laughs> different winners this year because we've had 11 already. So we're going to have 35, 36 winners this year if you believe Kim. Absolutely not. Listen, Kurt Busch is in the playoffs. A win and you're in. We, there's no way we're going to have 16. I will give you 13 winners when I look at the regular season. We have four road courses left, two super speedways. Like, there's just, it's a huge variety of tracks. And when I look at the drivers available, exactly. I don't believe it. I think we're going to have two to three drivers get in on points still. What? Two we, more new winners before the playoffs let's start. Let's just look at the list of folks that haven't won yet. Ryan Blaney, Martin Trucks Jr., Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, then you throw in like Eric Amarola, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, Eric Jones, Daniel Swords. These are guys that have also been fast. Brad Keselowski could certainly pull off a win, surprise us all. Sure. <laughs> if you go by stats, it'll tell you that uh, one of the three little prigs will build their house oh. in a bricks. Like the numbers don't matter. Tyler Reddick has never won a race. And now you're going to give him a win? I'm just saying Suarez there's the potential. never won a race. Okay. There's okay. the potential. Okay. Where, did you have a... Ross Chastain winning twice already this season. No, I didn't. Did you have Chase Briscoe oh, already having good. a win? I'm gonna, pull, I'm gonna pull out my stat because this is 11 different winners in the first 13 races of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. It's only the second time in NASCAR Cup Series history that 11 different drivers have won yeah. in the first 13 races. Hasn't been since 2003. You know who's sat on them? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. All I right. cannot wait until we get to playoff time and actually see. We offered see you an olive branch to change your, change your quota. No. He's sticking with it. Signed, okay. sold, and delivered. All right, so we have one for, yes, Kurt Busch is safe. Another one, maybe? Yes, no. Okay. I don't know because, right. again, I think there's going to be more than 16 winners. 
There's only 16 spots in the playoffs, so we'll see how it shuffles out. Hmm. Hmm. Give me more than 16. I'm taking them all. All right, well, speaking of Kurt Busch, we have to mention Kurt when it comes to one of the all-time greats to bring into an organization and take it up a level. This 23-11 team is brand new in the sport. This is only their second year. He joined Bubba Wallace kind of as a mentor to get this team on the right track and see what those Toyotas are made of. He has won with four different manufacturers in his career in NASCAR. Five different teams. Incredible with the 43-year-old of Kurt Busch. Speaking of 43, happy late birthday. Oh, thank you. Yes, 43, 43-year-olds. 43 it's a good age. Great age. Um, but what Kurt Busch has been able to do for this sport and for the teams that he joins, where does it rank him among the all-time greats? Uh, so I believe, without a doubt, Kurt Busch is the Hall of Famer. Um, first ballot or not will depend on who's on it. Let's, you know, you never want to diminish what somebody like Kurt Busch has pulled mm -hmm. off because it is a Hall of Fame career. I can't get him in the, you know, low single digits with the greatest of the greats, the Jimmy Johnsons, Dale Seniors, mm -hmm. Richard Petty's. I mean, the list is very long, uh, but it's an impressive career. What's most impressive is the perhaps length of the career, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, so he was a champion back, if you can believe, before there was anything other than a full season championship, right? He figured this out all the way back, you know, for so 34 wins, but it happened um, over a few decades now, the fact that he's continuing to win different cars, different teams, his versatility, it's impressive. His talent is never in question. He jumped over to IndyCar and ran inside mm -hmm. the top 10 at the Indy 500. This guy can drive a race car um, and recovered from on and off track issues over the course of his career, found a way to get back to victory lane, which is very hard to do in itself. Uh, so, listen, where does he rank? I don't know. He's 24th in career wins. So, sure, he's a top 20 driver to ever sit in a stock car. I have no problem with that. Um, it, it's not worth comparing anyone, though, to these few Mount Rushmore drivers right. we have in the sport. I mean, it's hard to say anything that you guys haven't already said. Four different manufacturers, five different teams. I think sometimes he gets disregarded or forgotten about because his career has been so long and we've seen ups and downs, but he has been able to win over the course of that career. And then also the number of different teams he's been with. I think that kind of gets him put in this category, oh, you know, he wasn't with X team for 15 years of his career like yeah. we see some of the you know the Jimmy Johnson's and, and the Jeff Gordon's where they literally are in one team one car for their entire career so I think because of that he kind of gets ignored and then also because his championship came in 2004 like you mentioned the guys that you would call his peers well Denny Hamlin hasn't won a championship yet but like <laughs> Kevin Harvick Martin Truex Jr the guys that are in his age bracket have much more recent championships. So again, I think that's why we sometimes forget how good Kurt Busch is. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. Is he a first ballot? Not sure yet. But I'll also say off the track, this is going to sound crazy, but he's a 43-year-old that's found himself to be marketable to Michael Jordan and yeah. Monster Energy. Right? When we talk about what an athlete has to do in today's world, it's more than just on the racetrack. He's done a really nice job of finding this brand off the racetrack that, that what I would consider, you know, I just don't put some of his partners with him on mm -hmm. paper. But in real life, you're like, yeah, that's a pretty good fit. So he's done a great job to kind of continuing to connect to everyone. I will say Denny Hamlin said he was the perfect Jordan athlete. So at 43 years old, if you're being called the perfect Jordan athlete, you're doing something right in your career. Uh, Kurt Busch, no denying that he has been uh, a, a positive impact to 2311 racing and now has a win this season. Their second At win. a track he hadn't won at. Exactly. Yeah. A second win for the organization. Uh, all right. Who thinks that Kyle Larson has lost a step. I can't even believe we're talking about this because he finished runner-up at Kansas. The five hit the wall six times, seven times, the next-gen cars. Just saying. 
they're able to hold their own. But also Kyle Larson, has he lost a step this season, Kim? I don't think it's fair to say he's lost his step or this team really. And I think the reason people are, are saying that is because they're comparing it to last year. Cliff Daniels, Kyle Larson, this five team had this anomaly of a season last year, 10 wins, a championship. So automatically people are going to start comparing any season, especially his kind of hangover season after he wins the championship to that season, which I think is completely unfair, especially because we are in this new car. It's performing completely different. I don't think it's fair to say that he's lost his step. Look at the parody. 11 different winners in 13 races, Steve. I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. So we weren't going to see the dominance from Larson and that team, especially not this early. Now, as we get deeper and deeper into the season, I think that's a safe question to ask when we are, you know, mired in the middle of the playoffs. Where is the five team performing? Then I think we can kind of ask the question, what are they doing? Have they or haven't they lost their step? Um, I think Kyle Larson not only has not lost a step, but they're performing equal to last year, even though the numbers may not support it. When you look at Kansas, it was one Chevrolet inside the top five fighting off all these Toyotas. So while Kyle Larson didn't win the race, he gave himself a chance to win the race, which looking through the course of that race, there was going to be a Toyota in victory lane. He perhaps had a chance to prove us all wrong. So he hasn't lost a step. As you mentioned, Kim, his year last year was like a haul. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's one of the best statistic years we've ever seen. Um, but I believe he's going to continue to win and continue to win all summer. And that's why there's just not a lot of wins <laughs> left for everyone else. But he's going to be good. And, and listen, he got into the wall a bunch. We had this conversation. They have a win. Yeah. People have to understand the goal of the team. Once you win and you're in the playoffs, it's all about playoff points. So second to 30th for Kyle Larson was really kind of the same. He was trying to win that race. Um, and, you know, hats off to Kurt Busch for driving – you know, in today's day and age, if I'm going to wreck you and then complain about you, that was perhaps <laughs> just a great duel between three very, very mm -hmm. talented race car yeah. drivers. I will say all three got out of the car. Kurt obviously having the bigger one, but uh, they all had a smile on their face. Looks mm -hmm. like they had a lot of fun at the end of Kansas. And I think the reason that I would say that Kyle Larson has not lost a step is name a track that you wouldn't pick him to possibly get a win at. There's not one place where you're like, eh, the five may not show up there. So lost a step, absolutely not. Ahead of the game. Two steps ahead of everyone. All right, who wins first this season? I am going, uh, let's throw out the eight and the 12 for two of these because they've been oh so close. Tyler Reddick looked like he may have had it at Bristol. He didn't. Ryan Blaney looks like he may have had it at several different tracks this season. So who gets it first out of the two young guns over there, Reddick or Blaney? So... What Tyler Reddick is doing this year is very impressive, and he will go to victory lane at some point, but I don't believe it will be before Ryan Blaney mm. just because the numbers say otherwise. Ryan Blaney has already won seven times in his career. He's won every year since 2017, excluding this year, and I expect him to go to victory lane to keep that streak going. Tyler Reddick, phenomenal talent, mm -hmm. has 10 career top fives. I mean, Blaney almost has as many wins as Reddick has top five. So do I think Reddick is going to win? Yes. Once he wins... Once he gets over that hurdle, we've seen what, what a Chase Elliott, how many times mm -hmm. did he run second, right? It is closing out in the premier level of stock car racing. Figuring out those green-white checkers in those last couple of laps is very difficult, and those lessons are hard to learn. Once he learns that and closes the door on one, man, he's going to win a bunch of them, but Ryan Blaney knows how to win right now. So put in position, equal on the front row, um, my tip is going to Blaney every time. As much as I'd like to disagree I with know. Steve, I have to agree with him on this one. You just look at Blaney's resume versus Tyler Reddick's. Now, I don't think that the numbers show what Tyler's capable of. You mentioned how many top fives. Yeah. 
But he's running up front. He just has these incidents that put him way behind the eight ball. Uh, he's not closing races, to your point. I do think Tyler's going to win this season. I had pinned maybe Homestead. That's later in the season. Uh, so I have to go with Ryan Blaney winning before Tyler Reddick. I do think they both get wins this season. Mm. But I think Blaney, it happens first for him. Hot take. Tyler Reddick wins before Ryan Blaney this Oh. I'm just going to disagree with both of you guys. Uh, and it's just for the sole purpose of, like, racing Juju. I just feel like a win has got to come at some point for the eight. And we're just going to keep ticking off the winners so mm. that at the end of the season, Kim and I can stay until the part <laughs> we don't do so. You know what I learned in my career about the wins have to come? They don't. <laughs> you can go a they long really time don't. without winning. They really don't. Okay, they really don't. They just. All right. Yeah. Well, there was a solar eclipse last night, so maybe Reddit okay. got out and prayed to the mm -hmm. or something. All right. Rapid response powered by, powered by five hour energy. These are going to be kind of simple, maybe. Uh, you're either going to pick if this driver is a playoff contender or pretender. Now, pretender is a harsh word. We're not saying, like, doesn't belong here, pretending to be a NASCAR driver. They all belong. They're all in the top league of motorsports when it comes to racing. This is basically saying, are they making it into the playoffs or are they not? First up, the four of Kevin Harvick, still winless for this season, Kim. I say he's a contender. I think he wins in the next 13 races and gets himself a spot in the playoffs. I say he's definitely a playoff driver, even without a win. He's veteran, and I think at this point, he knows how to score points when points are necessary. 58 career wins, Harvick is heading to the playoffs. I agree with both. Contender for me, the number four will be in the playoffs. All right, next up, his teammate over there at Stewart Haas Racing, the 10 of Eric Amarola. It is his final full-time season in the NASCAR Cup Series. Contender or pretender, Latar? I can't get the 10 of Eric Amarola in the playoffs. It's an emotional final season, and my heart wants to put him in there. I love Eric. He's been great for the sport. Three career wins. I just don't think when I look at the drivers around and the raw speed on the mm -hmm. racetrack, I just don't believe the 10, the entire team, this isn't just a driver's sport. The team has to match it, and I don't believe the match of the 10 car and Eric Amarola will have the pace to outrun some of the cars behind them. When do we go to New Hampshire? We do. In the summer. It's on the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the middle of the and summer. And I didn't have him picked last year, and he yeah. proved me wrong. So Maybe he'll prove you wrong. Maybe All he'll right, prove Kim. me wrong because I also had him as a pretender. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I want, again, I want, like, the good story of it's his retirement year, and we see him in the playoffs and not necessarily win a championship but go far, and he has this kind of great season to cap things off, but I don't think it's happening for the 10 car. Just, again, outright speed's not there. They could surprise us with, like, a New Hampshire win, but I don't see it happening for Eric. All right, three for three again. I also have him as a pretender. I don't see the 10 making the playoffs. Enjoy the season. Have a great run. Last time at tracks. Maybe you'll prove us wrong. Um, all right, next up is the three of Austin Dillon. RCR has shown a lot of speed this year. Uh, AD has been running up front. So is he a contender or a pretender, Kim? I, I want to say he's going to be a contender because I think he has the ability to literally steal a win. Like, I think in the next 13 races, there's going to be one race where it's all of a sudden like when he won the Coke 600. But looking at all of the other drivers around that are looking for spots, I just don't think there's room for Austin in the playoffs. Mm, right. <sighs> I know. It's, it's so hard. Uh, listen, I'm going to say he's not in the playoffs, and it's purely because of the schedule that's left. When I looked at the remaining races, there's four road courses. While the two super speedways do tip his way, those four road courses take an advantage off the table for him, so there's less races, I believe. Austin Dillon is an okay road course mm -hmm. racer, but just, I don't see him lining up toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of these other drivers and winning at a road course for that reason. Time's running out for the three-car. Hmm. He is 11 underneath the cut line right now. He would be the first driver out of the playoffs at the playoff stop right now. 
Unfortunately, I have him still below the cut line at the end of the regular season, and I'm going with a P for pretender. Uh, I don't see the three car. As much as I would love it, I don't see the three car in the playoffs. Next up, the 43 of Eric Jones. I hope the tire is off of the car by now. <laughs> I hope that we figured out how to get the lug uh, unhooked there. But, uh, Kim, what about Eric Jones? This might surprise you based on my other answers, but I have him as a contender. I, I am riding this EJ wave until I am – Absolutely proven wrong at the end of the regular season. He's been fast, surprisingly fast. He's gotten close to wins. I just think we're going to see him in the playoffs. So I don't think Kim is wrong to think that Eric Jones can make the playoffs. Now, I disagree because I believe this 43 car is at their ceiling, and they should be proud of it. Eric Jones has taken this 43 car and moved it closer to the front of the field. I believe the opportunity, though, to strike was early on before other teams learned about this car. And as we move into the summer, I look for the big teams to show up. The information, multiple drivers, it's just they have a bigger advantage than a guy like Eric Jones. Now, behind the wheel, doing a great job. And a tip of the hat to this entire organization that's kind of been blended. We'll call it new. It's half mm -hmm. new. Um, he is already outrunning my expectations. He's doing a great job behind the wheel. But the playoffs are the playoffs for a reason. And it is an uphill battle to find a seat. Mm. I also have him as not making the playoffs this year. I think next year is a better possibility. They'll figure out some things. But like Steve said, it's a fairly new it's a new year for the 43 and that organization. All right, speaking of big teams, we now can list them as big teams because they're running like all the big teams. Team Trackhouse over there, the one of Ross Chastain, multiple wins. Daniel Suarez has come so close to a win. Is he a contender or a pretender for the playoffs? So Kurt Busch was a popular victory for everyone except for Daniel Suarez because mm -hmm. the only way Daniel Suarez makes the playoffs, in my opinion, is on points. I do believe Travis Mack has proven on Saturdays back when he was with Michael and he knows how to gobble up points. He knows how to points race around stages. There will be points available at the road course in the stages, but after his poor finish last week at mm -hmm. Kansas, I know it's early to be thinking one finish is going to hurt you, but he is almost 50 points out currently. Um, I know they're good at gaining points, but 50 points is a long ways to go. Plus, they have to beat, you know, four other teams to do it. So, I, I can't. Unfortunately for Suarez, I don't believe he'll be joining his teammate in the playoffs. Mm. have to agree. I wish I didn't. Oh, no. I know. But you just look. Yes, Daniel Suarez has been fast. He's had opportunities to win. He hasn't capitalized on those. You just look at the striking difference, though, in the season that – Ross Chastain is having versus Daniel Suarez. They're in the same shop, and this team has been very outspoken about one team, one shop. So you would think with both the talent of Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, I think they're both talented drivers, that we would be seeing the same sort of finishes, maybe even already a win this season from Daniel Suarez. There's just something, I don't know if it's bad luck or he's getting too much in his head, but I have him as a pretender uh, I really wish I didn't have to say that, but I think there's only one one track house team that gets in the playoffs. I also agree just for the sole reason of numbers. I think only one gets in. Ross Chastain already made his way into the playoffs. Uh, I don't think the luck is on Daniel Suarez's side. So I have him as a pretender as well. All right, last up on these playoff contenders or pretenders, his teammate may be locked into the playoffs. He's the latest winner in the NASCAR Cup Series with Kurt Busch, but 23-11 and Bubba Wallace does the 23 car do we get another jump man in victory lane or in the playoffs? So if Bubba makes the playoffs, it's going to be a super speedway yeah. and it's going to be a win. So we're going to have to wait until the final lap of the final race of the regular season when the field goes down to Daytona uh, to race under the lights and set the playoff field. Unfortunately for Bubba Wallace, 
His racing at the super speedway is impressive and, and he should be congratulated on that. But what I've learned about super speedway racing is it can only be impressive for so long. Your luck finally runs out. When I look farther down the leaderboard, we have Brad Kozlowski not even inside mm -hmm. uh, this list. And I think he is going to be come Daytona all in. Plus, with so many winners, everyone's going to be looking for playoff points. I don't think there's going to be a lot of cruising around. For that reason, unfortunately, it's been a good run for Bubba, but I don't have him in the playoffs. Mm. He's not in my playoffs either. <laughs> I'm with Steve. The only opportunity I see him getting into the playoffs is a win, and the only place that he's going to do that is a Super Speedway Daytona final race of the regular season. Yes, Certainly, Bubba could win that race, but then you put in this pool of other drivers that are going to be extra hungry for wins that race who are just as equally good at plate, or I shouldn't say plate racing, we don't race plates anymore, but super speedway racing, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. we haven't even talked about, Brad Keselowski, all these drivers that are kind of in that same camp as Bubba Wallace, where this is probably where they would circle that Daytona is their last kind of Hail Mary to get in the playoffs. There's just going to be too much competition. And that's completely ignoring all of the guys that are already in that want playoff points that also just want to win to have that momentum going into the playoffs. So no playoff spot for mm. Bubba. I would love nothing more than both Jordan cars to be in the playoffs. Unfortunately, I only have one, uh, and that's the 45 of Kurt Busch. So I do not have Bubba Wallace in my playoff field. All right, next up, what has been the best race of this first half of the season? It's hard to believe that we are halfway through the regular season of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season, but let's break down our favorites, and I know this is probably going to come <laughs> down to how the race ended. The last lap is what you remember, so let's start, we'll start with you on this one. Best uh, race. This is the impossible task. There's been so many great races. I think it'd be easier to pick the worst races because I think there's a couple standouts that mm -hmm. have been less than awesome. <laughs> uh, but when we look at great races, it, it's double-digit numbers. But for me, anytime this race is anywhere close to what's expected, it's the greatest race of the year, and that kicks the season off at the Daytona 500. Great American race is named such for good reason. It is a career maker. It moves you to the Hall of Fame. If you can do this multiple times, that last lap driven by Austin Sendrick is as flawless as it needs to be, not to mention a near photo finish. So I'm sentimental. Daytona 500. <laughs> this is so hard for me because to Steve's point, we have had so many good finishes. More striking is the races that were kind of snoozers yeah. at the end. I mean, I look at the Daytona 500. I look at Coda. I look at Kansas this past weekend. Darlington, even though the move was a little shady at the end. Talladega had a great finish. Richmond, the tire strategy. But I have to think about the race where in the closing laps, I, I felt myself holding my breath, and that was Bristol Dirt. Did not love the outcome. Kyle Busch backed his way into that win. <laughs> but watching Chase Briscoe and Tyler Reddick do what they did on the dirt, I did not think Chase Briscoe was going to end up catching up with Tyler Reddick. He does it. The last 10 laps, I was on the edge of my seat. Now, was the move that Briscoe put on Reddick ideal? No, but that was one where I was literally on the edge of my seat like, how is this going to win? And again, you had Reddick out front. You really want him to get that first Cup Series win. So for me, that was kind of like all the theatrics you want in the closing laps of a race. Yeah, you know it's good when you're screaming at the television yes. uh, watching the race. Um, well, I am going to go with one of the earlier ones. I'm going with Fontana. And it's not just because of who won the race. I <laughs> love me some Southern California. So I loved getting back to the fans in Southern California and racing back at Auto Club. But also, you have two teammates that are former champions who are just a little irritated at each other. And uh, for me, it made for a good storyline. I liked watching it. I'm interested to see how the playoffs will play out for the nine and the five. 
but Fontana was mine. So great racing, the next-gen car. I, I can't even begin to describe how much fun we've had watching this car over the first uh, half of the regular season. More to come. A lot more racing left for the 2022 season. But there has been some driver beef. We have not had a uh, season full of rainbows and daisies and unicorns, and we all love each other. I mentioned one with Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. They're fine now, I'm sure. Mr. H took them under his wing and said, no, we're not doing that. But then we had Logano, William Byron. We've had Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe, which was basically a hug it out on pit road. <laughs> what driver beef has been the best so far this season? I'm going to dip down into one of the lower series, the Xfinity series, and say Ty Gibbs, and not just against <laughs> Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs against the field. It was only a matter of time before somebody was going to pull fisticuffs on uh, Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So did everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Secured content. All right, we'll start. So I don't like pushing and shoving on pit road. I don't like pushing and shoving with race cars that someone has to build. So my best beef so far this year is Alex Bowman and everyone does, that doesn't think he should go to victory lane because <laughs> it's a war of words, but it is a creative war of words. It's great for the sport. It's great for the athletes. It's great for the fans. There's no damage to people, parts, or equipment, maybe just some egos. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone keeps saying he's a what? Hack, backed into it. The long, the, <laughs> you know, the, it's a long list of narrative and what does he keep doing consistent just, just keeps winning races runs up front doesn't mm -hmm. say anything and sells some more t-shirts so alex bowman against mm -hmm. all the naysayers yeah i want to be uh the bank account after the t-shirt sells because <laughs> that's the best way um i'm gonna go with the most recent beef tell me you would not like to see william byron and joey logano <laughs> go at it because it literally is and i mean this in the nicest way possible because i'm a nerd i'm a dork you have Legos versus short track racing. And I mean, it's like the battle on the playground. You just want to watch. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Joey Logano and William Byron. I loved the quote, I'll swing harder. So just give me all the, <laughs> all the swings, Logano. All right, next up, we are heading to Texas Motor Speedway for the All-Star Race. This is the second year that the All-Star Race has been there in the Lone Star State. It was a hot one last season. So I'm sure a million dollars on the line, we're going to have some speed and some heat uh, down there out west. So what's been your favorite all-star moment prior to this year, Kim? I think my first all-star race I ever attended in person and before I even worked in the sport. So the 2009 all-star race, Tony Stewart won. It's his first year at Stewart Haas Racing. It's a newly formed team. The 14 car gets their very first win and he does it in dramatic fashion. There's a restart with a handful of laps to go. He passes Kyle Busch. He runs down Matt Kenseth with like two laps to go. Just, I have really fond memories of that race. And so that's, that's it for me. Hmm. My favorite all-star moment is going to show my age because I was also there, but I'm going to go back to the rain win in a backup car for Jeff Gordon. We've seen all-star highlights. Uh, basically, everything's been done and done multiple times, but the only thing I know that's been done once is winning in a car that started the day in the back of the hauler. We all wrecked in the rain. I was on that team. We unloaded the car um, with very little hope because it was a backup car for a reason, and Jeff Gordon proved us all wrong, even perhaps some of his team members, and uh, that was a fun night at Charlotte. Hmm. Well, I am going with also a race that I worked, and this was kind of my first, like, okay, this is how we do it here. It was Clint Boyer, Rock'em Sock'em Robots, going in on Ryan Newman's uh, helmet window net. We didn't get the window net down. Clint Boyer went after it. Uh, so mine is off the racetrack. Clint Boyer never uh, ceases to bring entertainment. All right, well, next up, presented by Bet MGM, we're going to talk the keys to the All-Star Race. There's not any backseat bets this week, but... It is important because there's a million dollars on the line. We have all said this in previous shows that we would wreck 
pretty much anybody for a million dollars and our drivers feel the exact same way so steve you know what it takes to win that million dollar check and to make it into the all-star race for the bragging rights and to get into victory lane so what are the key factors at Texas specifically to win a million dollars? Well, the big concern when you go to Texas and when you look at the all-star race is the two different ends of the racetrack. You, you're really only going to be great at one of them, which brings your back bumper in play at the other. So if it's me, I'm going to be very good in the lower speed end of the racetracks, turns one and two. The car has mm -hmm. to go in, it has to rotate. I want to get you away from me before I go down to <laughs> three and four. We should be close to wide open on new tires at that end of the racetrack. If someone's going to move me for a million dollars, they're going to have to do it in turn one and two. So that's where I want to be the best. But the big thing is going to be the approach. How are these teams going to do it? I know it's a million dollars and everyone wants to win it. But there are more unanswered questions this year than any year. There's just not a lot of opportunity to learn. 15 minutes of practice, a little bit of qualifying every week. So when you look at the list of drivers we have already gone through of who needs to make the playoffs, who's going to perhaps unlock some sort of key, learn something new, who's confident enough to get outside the box at Texas, even if it doesn't work, will they learn something that will carry them through the rest of the regular season? All right, Kim, we also know that it'll come down to a pit stop. Yes. So how important are the pit crews for this weekend's race? Very important, but the pit crews are important each and every race, and we've seen a lot of mistakes. Ooh, Kansas guys. Yeah. I, f I feel like we set a record for mistakes, not just from drivers, but also teams on pit row. We saw equipment leaving boxes, teams over the wall too soon, uh, issues with wheels and tires. So this is an opportunity for teams to rebound in a non-points race and get themselves on the straight and narrow as we go to the second half of the regular season, especially from all the blunders we saw in Kansas. Another interesting thing, you mentioned them filling their notebooks for the playoff races. I'm also interested to see what they do with these cars in terms of how they treat them because they don't have the back stock that they typically, typically do for the All-Star race. The All-Star race has been wreckers or checkers for as long as we've known it. A million dollars on the line, they don't have to worry about this car. I think maybe they could make the case for being a little more easy on the cars than they typically are but i don't know a million dollars with with you know taking the white flag they could you know wreck them all out who knows oh kim you should work with more drivers they don't care about the equipment <laughs> no, I'm I'm not... and no you're right though there are people in the field and drivers in the field that have had rough years and they're going to have to continue to take care of equipment yeah but thankfully for the fans there are some at the front and i think if you're fifth and you're my driver and you wreck i'm going to be mad mm. like we wreck for fifth okay but if you wreck with a million dollars out front, somewhere in the top one or two, okay, well, that's what we that can to do. That million dollars will pay for the right. replacement But car. you mentioned pit crews. I will say this. Pit stops this year have been very hard to judge because fuel flow is much slower than the lug nuts. Mm -hmm. Adjustments slow down the pit stops. So there's always a story about why a team was better than the other one. This is going to be the opportunity for these teams to pin their ears back and just show me how fast you can change four tires. That perhaps is what I'm looking forward to the most out of the pit crew. It's not consistency. It's that I believe with the potential issues of wheels and some of the issues during these longer races, it's, hey, give me an 80% pit stop, make sure everything's good. There will be no 80% when we go to Texas. It'll be all or nothing. That's what I think we're going to see the fastest NASCAR pit stop ever with the new single lug and everything. It keeps getting moved. That, that line keeps getting moved. And I think when we go to Texas this weekend mm -hmm. with the race on the line, someone's going to show up. The fastest ever, but does the wheel stay on? <laughs> well, it better stay on or it won't cost you a million dollars. Hamlin's, but Hamlin's team whipped off a fast one a couple weeks ago, well, celebrated as their driver left pit road, and then there goes the wheel. There oh. goes the wheel. So you have to have precision and accuracy in addition to speed. Yeah. 
There will uh, still be a penalty even in the All-Star race, yeah. so keep the wheels on. Uh, there also is a different format, some changes to this All-Star race. You can see all of that breakdown on NASCAR.com. We're still going to have the normal open races. We're still going to have the All-Star race, but the stages are a little bit different, and there's some head-to-head -head battles. Uh, sign me up for some bracket-style All-Star. All right, Victory Lane, there can only be one. They walk away with the check. It's winner take all, a million dollars on the line. I feel like I need to do my pinky mm. when I say that. A million dollars. <laughs> uh, all right, who's your pick for the All-Star race? Latar, you go first. So, low-hanging fruit's Kyle Larson. He's the guy at Texas. Mm. Um, so, I'll say he's the easy pick. Anybody could take Kyle Larson. If you want a little bit of a dark horse, a little bit of a long shot. The story continues. Tyler Reddick. Oh. It's not a points win, so it oh. doesn't go for your first oh. career win. So why not win the all-star race and just make yeah. everybody talk about it even more next week? Right. This is kind of his style. Yeah, all or nothing. It is. Okay. It's like in Texas too. So I had a pick before last weekend. I think I'm going to stick with that pick. However, uh, I was a little thrown off. I did not think the Toyotas were going to show up at a mile and a half like they did. So I'm picking Ryan Blaney, the number 12. Yes, this seat, I know, between Mamba and whoever sits here always picks the 12. Ryan's really Mamba, good at... you look so different. Right? <laughs> Thank gosh, by the way, Mamba's not here to rub in our faces the fact he that he picked Kurt Busch. Yeah. Kudos to you. Um, I'm going Ryan Blaney. He's very good at Texas. I'm a little nervous, though, after what we saw at Kansas, another mile and a half. The best finishing Ford was 11th, Austin Sendrick. Though Toyota showed up, so part of me is inclined to want to pick a Toyota, like a, a Kyle Busch mm -hmm. or a Martin mm -hmm. Truck Jr., but I'm going to stick with Blaney. Prove me right. Well, Steve just hooted all over my pick. <laughs> or you take Larson? Anybody can pick him. I'm going Kyle Larson. He won the All-Star race last year. He, uh, I mean, won the points race at Texas. Give me all the low-hanging fruit. But I'm with Kim. Keep your eye on Kyle Busch. Sneaky pick in the 18. Uh, has a new baby. Needs a million dollars for diapers. I don't know. There is a driver that I think an All-Star win could be valuable for, and that's Martin Truex Jr. Why? Well, when you look at his year, he's had a good year, but, you know, he had a chance at yeah. Vegas. The caution came out. He also had a chance at Richmond. The tire strategy didn't mm -hmm. fall his way. He's kind of right there on the cusp. So you ask yourself, the mojo. Toyotas have, have picked it up. So if Truex can go win a million bucks, I don't care how long you've been in the sport, a million dollars is a million dollars. Is that the mojo Ooh. that this team's kind of looking for? All that propelled them through the rest of the summer. So it, it's, that's why when we talk about the All-Star Race, what I want the fan to understand is there is value. For a lot of guys that didn't win, you can walk off going, ah, you know, it didn't really yeah, matter. Didn't but matter. for the team that ran really well or the team that won, um, it can be a springboard. We've seen it before. How many champions, mm -hmm. how many all-star race winners have gone on to win the championship? The list is very long in history. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting that who takes what out of Texas. Mm -hmm. This isn't on our rundown, but Kim, would you wreck your mom for a million dollars? Oh, I have the best mom ever. A <laughs> million dollars? Sure, I'd wreck my mom for a million dollars. Right, would you wreck your daughter for a million dollars? Sorry, babe. <laughs> Love you. You're my little girl. But for sure. I'll yeah. buy you a really nice gift, yeah. Mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, and every, that's what makes us, so we saw people get moved out of the way all year long. Yeah. So now we're going to add a million bucks because that should make it way calmer with yeah. no points. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, sorry, Christy. That's my mom. Uh, you're getting wrecked into the wall. Sorry, million dollars. <laughs> I will buy you a nice gift like Kim is going to buy for her mother. All right, you can watch all the action from the All-Star Race at Texas Motor Speedway this Sunday at 6 p.m. All of that's breaking down on FS1. A lot of changes. You're not going to want to miss the All-Star Race. It's going to be a fun one in the Star State. And uh, the backseat driver's crew, always up to something. 45 boys as well. Uh, congratulations to Kurt Busch, and we'll see you right back here in Studio 3 on Backseat Drivers after the All-Star Race. Thank <laughs> you.